Good morning, everybody. How y'all doing? Give Jesus one more great big praise. Woo! Don't we serve a good God? God, I love you all so much. I'm so glad you're here today. I'm just going to open up with prayer before I start my uh, message this morning. Father, I just thank you for every person that's here. Father, every person that may be watching online today. And Lord, we just cover this message with the blood of Jesus. Father, we bind every voice of the enemy. We bind, bind every place that he may have in our hearts and our minds and in, in our hearts today. We just release him in the name of Jesus. Father, we ask that you give us ears to hear what your spirit has to say today. That God, let the word be truth and let it transform our heart, God, that we can be changed by the word of God that is living and powerful and active. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Everyone said... Amen and amen. Well, I'm so glad you all are here today. I'm doing a one single message today, and then next week I'm starting a new series, which I'm really super excited about. It's called Different, and we're going to talk about as believers how we do things differently, how we handle things differently in life, and I'm super excited to just charge your faith and get you ready for what God has. But as I was praying for this one single message to close out the month, the Lord really put um, this, this teaching in my heart. And I believe even as Pastor Paul was sharing this morning how we're going to new territories, God is doing new things in our life, which is wonderful. And many of you gave sacrificially last week, and many of you always give sacrificially. And when that happens, and when you begin to take a step towards Jesus, how many know the enemy is in the back door to chase you down? to bring discouragement. And so I really want to expose the enemy today. I'm not going to bring him any glory because he is already defeated. Amen. He's already been put under our feet. But I want to expose him today in some areas that he may be coming against your heart and your mind. And I want to teach you how to do battle against the enemy. Amen. I want you to rise up. And I believe that God is really going to challenge your spirit. In first service, I, I didn't pray before I started, and I sure wish I would have, because I believe that when the enemy, my title is called The Accuser. And how the enemy accuses us of things. He's always pointing his finger in our face and accusing us of our past. Accusing us of our weakness. Accusing us of our, our regrets. And I realized this morning as I was teaching that some of us are so used to that spirit of accusation. Of the enemy telling you you're unworthy. That you're never really going to be great or be loved. Or you still feel identified by something in the past. What happens is when you let that go too long, we build a wall around our heart. And we put this defense that we have, uh, that God has a difficult time penetrating his love and his victory through our walls of protection. And so I knew when I was coming, and it was like I was hitting a brick wall this morning as I was teaching this message, and, and we broke through, thank you, Jesus, and we got some freedom because I was going at it in the spirit. I'm like, we're going to have victory, and then I was doing some karate chopping stuff in the spirit. But um, I just knew covering this thing in the prayer because I want, to, I want to expose that voice of the accusation. And if you want to take new territory, if you really want to go into a new place with Jesus, you have to silence the voice of the enemy. And you're going to have to remember who you are in Christ Jesus. You're going to have to remember the spirit of the living God that lives on the inside of you. Amen. And the devil we know comes to do what? Steal, kill, and destroy. And what does he love to do? He loves to destroy anything that is important to God. And who is the most valuable person to God? 
you are, his people are, the one he sent his son for. And the enemy wants to destroy the things that are most important to God because he can hurt the heart of God and he can steal away your destiny and what God has planned for your life. And I'm really truly believing that this year all of us are going to go to a next level in our walk with God, a next level in our friendships, our relationships in the kingdom of God. But if we are not silencing the voice of the accuser, we will stay pinned down to the value that we feel in our flesh instead of unleashing that accusing voice and becoming who God has called us to be. Listen, there's a great great God living on the inside of you, amen. And I know we have so many beautiful young people here today and I want to empower all of us that you have to realize that the enemy comes to accuse, but greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. You have a great, big, empowering God that lives in you. And the moment you came into Jesus, you were set free from those things of your past. You were set free of those things that people maybe labeled you with or life labeled you with. And maybe you had a parent or an adult that spoke down to you and spoke worthlessness into you. And those things can cap you who you are as a Christian. But as I go through this message today, I want to unlock us, amen? I want to unlock that place where the enemy makes you feel worthless so that you can step into the greatness God has for you. I believe when a church goes to the next level is when the people go to the next level in knowing who they are in Christ. And it's time for us, amen, to put on our spiritual boots and say enough is enough. I'm not going to let the devil beat me up anymore. I'm not going to let him remind me of my past. I don't care about a divorce. Maybe I have five divorces. I don't care, thank you, Jesus. I got it right on number six, amen. It don't matter. You are bought by the blood of the lamb, amen. So I'm going to open up in Ephesians 6 today, and this is our warfare scripture, a chapter in the Bible. And it says this, Paul was saying in the word of God, for we do not fight against flesh and blood enemies. Hey, listen, whatever you're facing today, maybe it's a person, a job, a situation, an obstacle, that thing that you're looking at is not your battle. Because you can't change someone else's mind, maybe for a minute. You can't change the circumstances, but what's going on and the spiritual behind it, you have full authority over. So instead of focusing on what you're facing, step into who you are in Christ Jesus. Step into the supernatural and begin to exercise the authority of the spirit that's behind that thing motivating. And when you take that authority, whatever resistance coming against you has to flee in the name of Jesus. So you've got to realize your battle is not against flesh and blood. It's not people. It's not jobs. It's not your crazy children. It's not who you're married to. Don't poke them or anything. Right? But what is it against? It's against evil rulers and the authorities of the unseen spiritual world. It's the enemy of the accuser of the brethren against mighty powers in this dark world, against evil spirits in heavenly places. Listen, you are in a spiritual battle today. The devil is defeated. It's not if he's going to attack you. It's when he's going to attack you. And the moment you step out by faith, he's going to be there to discourage you. He's going to be there to try to trip you up because he doesn't want you to take new territory in your life. Amen. Attack is real, but when you know who you are, you are an overcomer. So this morning, we're going to talk about Satan as the accuser who does what? He attacks your heart with accusations. I know there's every one of us, if we could be open and vulnerable and real with each other, we all have something in our past, something in our life 
that we're maybe embarrassed of or ashamed of or, or regrets and wish we wouldn't have. I know a season in my life, and I made a great decision for my own personal life too long to go into today, but I made a great decision for my life, but in the process, it hurt people. It was embarrassing. I mean, you know, sometimes things just get us embarrassed, and what does the enemy want to do? He wants to push us in the cave of shame. That voice comes and says, see who you hurt? See the, see the example that you made? You're never going to be better. You're never going to love better. You're never going to have a good marriage. All these lies comes against you. You're ugly. You're worthless, right? All these accusations begin to pound at you to what? Pull you out of the body of Christ, pull you out of relationship with Jesus Christ, and put you in this cave of shame. And when the enemy gets you all alone, he has a heyday with your mind and your emotions. And today, we need to have a coming out party and say, I am not ashamed anymore. My past is under the blood of Jesus. People's opinions of me have no control. Who I am is made in the image of Christ Jesus today. Amen. I am not identified by all those ugly things. You have to understand when the enemy comes and tells you you're a failure, when he tells you you're not good enough, those are not from a God who loves you. A God that loves you tells you you're beautiful. A God that tells, loves you tells you he loves you. He tells you you're victorious. He tells you you're an overcomer. He tells you I forgive you. That's the voice of the Father. But the fiery darts of accusation comes from the enemy. And he'll come and point them right into the areas of your heart that hurt the most. And you wake up in the morning and these fiery darts come and we live by the voices of the enemy every day instead of silencing those voices. You have to understand today that you have the power of the risen Christ living on the inside of you. You have the power, listen, to silence every voice of the enemy. And it's time for us as believers to recognize the voices. What lies is he saying to you today? And you have to recognize it and take the power of God in you to overcome that voice. And I'm going to teach you how to do that or even remind you how to do that by the end of our lesson. So let's look at the word of God and what the Bible says about the accuser. This is John in the book of Revelation, verse 21. Now remember, this is the revelation. This is at the very end. It's the end of the story where everybody say, we won. We won the victory at the end. Jesus is coming back on a white horse, amen. He's coming back as king of kings and lord of lords. He's going to take his church back with him. And so this book was written on the place of victory, and it says this. John said, Then I heard a loud voice in heaven say, Now have come salvation and power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Messiah. What is he saying? That's right now. The moment you come into Jesus, it says now you have the power of God. Now you have the authority of God. Now you've got his power to begin to maneuver the plans of the enemy. And then it goes on to say because of that power, the accuser, which is the enemy, of our brothers and our sisters, and what does he do? He accuses you day and night before God. What is the enemy's job? To accuse you. He wants to make you feel like God doesn't love you. He wants to make you feel like God doesn't forgive you, that you can never have a great future. He is constantly going to God about how horrible you are. But look what Jesus said at the end of the story. The enemy may come and accuse them before God day and night, but what? He has been hurled down. 
Satan has been defeated. So his accusations are worthless. They're powerless. It's only when we believe the voice of the enemy that he takes victory in our life. You've got to see the enemy is defeated. And if you have repented and asked God to forgive you of your sins, it has been washed under the blood of the lamb. It is in the sea of forgetfulness. Everybody say forgetfulness. Listen, the past is gone when you are in Jesus. It's like taking that Etch-a-Sketch, right? Remember the Etch-a-Sketch back in the day? I don't even know if they still have them today. It's probably like an app or something now. I don't know. No fun. you got to have the real Etch-a-Sketch. And boy, you can make a mess with that Etch-a-Sketch. And what do you got to do? Just shake it. And it's wiped clean and you get to start all over. You have to get this revelation as a believer that your slate is wiped clean. You are bought by the blood of the lamb. And if the accuser is coming against you, it's because God has a plan for your life or he wouldn't be bothering you at all. Amen? It's time to recognize his voice and rise up and say, no, I have God living in me. I have been forgiven. I'm an overcomer. I've been redeemed. And God loves me unconditionally. Somebody say amen. You know, before, um, when we're, before we're in Christ, you know, the enemy will come and he'll be like, before you sin and make mistakes, he'll be like, oh, it's no big deal, right? Everybody else is doing it. I can do it. You deserve it. Has anybody ever heard that one before? You won't get caught. Like, the enemy makes things so tantalizing. He makes them so wonderful until we give in to it. And then what does the accuser do when we fall short? He comes and brings accusations afterward. You're worthless. You're ugly. God could never use you. Look what you did. Boy, if people knew the real you, they'd say, what a hypocrite. We all have heard these voices before. You've gone too far. God could never use you. You see how lies, subtly the devil comes, and we buy into, you know why? Because there's a little bit of truth there. There's a little bit of truth that I did fall short. There's a little bit of truth I did make mistakes. There was a little bit of truth that you had abuse. There was a little bit of truth that a parent spoke worthlessness over you. There's a little bit of truth. So we buy into the lie of the accusation and we make it part of who we are when God says, I've ripped those things away from you and I've made you a new image in me. You are not bound by that captivity of a mold that the world and the enemy wants to put on you. It's time to come out of that, break that outer shell of the lie of the enemy, and step into who God says that you are. You can walk into any relationship, any situation, any business opportunity with your shoulders held back and your head high knowing who you are in Christ Jesus and expect the favor of God, expect the blessings of God, expect people to love you. Expect people to favor you. Why? Because I know who I am in Christ Jesus. The voice behind me may be telling me I'm unlovable, I'm unworthy. There may be a lot of voices, but I'm not listening to that. I'm stepping into who God says that I am. And as soon as the devil, he uses the same fiery dart over and over, doesn't he? Some of us like a bunch of them. Just makes you feel worthless. But the more you begin to combat it with the word of God, and we'll talk about the more you begin to rise up on who you are in Christ Jesus, he'll keep throwing it, and it'll ping, just, it'll go away. Ping, it's not working. All of a sudden, he'll go, oh, I can't even hit them with, them with that anymore because they know who they are in Christ Jesus. See, if you want to get territory, begin to say, no, I know who I am in Christ Jesus. Amen? So when the devil talks to you about God, you know what he does? He lies. He lies. 
When the devil talks to you about God, he lies. When he came to Jesus and Jesus was fasting 40 days and 40 nights, and the Bible says he was hungry, guess who showed up when he was vulnerable? The devil. Did God really say? Makes him question God, lie about God. And what has Jesus said? It is written. I don't care how weak I am. I don't care how far my God feels right now. I am hungry. I don't know why I've been sent here, but it is written. Three times, it is written. See, when the enemy comes to accuse you, you take the word of God. It is written. I am not identified by your accusations, and I renounce you in the name of Jesus and the word of God. And then the devil, you know, ran from Jesus because he knew he couldn't be defeated by him. When the devil talks to you about you, what does he do? He accuses you. So he'll lie to you about God, that God will never love you or fully use you, and he'll lie to you about you, that you're unworthy. And you can see how that would keep you so locked down in your walk with Christ. When Christ said, where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. There is freedom. But we walk around so bound like the world, and we have Jesus and Jesus is saying, if you only get the revelation of who I am in you, none of that could ever have an effect on you. Amen. I want to share this story in the word of God of Zechariah. It's a prophetic vision, a powerful vision that Zechariah had. And it's a courtroom setting. And uh, there's three characters in this story. One is God, and God is the judge. And how many know sometimes in life we see God with that, I always forget the name of that thing. Thank you. The gavelin. And God's got that gavelin. He's like, guilty. You know, I'm pouncing you on the head and bringing guilt. And we see God as just this mean, iron-fisted God. And so then you've got this uh, Satan who is bringing accusation against a high priest. Now, a high priest would be like me, a pastor, bringing Joshua, this high priest, before God. And Joshua has um, filthy rags on, which means Joshua, the high priest, has sinned. And this is where the story takes place. So let's look at that in Zechariah 3. Then he showed me Joshua, the high priest, standing before the angel of the Lord. The angel is, the, is capital A. It's God. Joshua is standing before God. And Satan was where? On the right side to do what? Accuse him. So here stands Joshua before God in filthy rags, in sin. He's a high priest, supposed to be serving God, and yet he's covered in sin. And the enemy is right there on the side to say, yeah, God, look what he did. Now, we don't know in the vision what Joshua did, but the enemy was coming to accuse him before God to make sure God saw that his son was doing wrong and the enemy wanted God to pronounce judgment against Joshua. All right, let's see what happens. And what happens? There they stand. And the Lord said to Satan in verse 2, the Lord rebuke you, Satan. See, whenever the enemy wants to bring you before God and accuse you, God rises up and rebukes the enemy on your behalf. Why? Because he already won the battle for us. When he sent his son Jesus to die on the cross, all of the sins of our world, our lives was upon Jesus. And so now we have Jesus as the advocator to fight the battle for us. Amen? So let's keep going. I rebuke you, Satan. The Lord who has chosen Jerusalem rebukes you. Is not this man a burning stitch that was snatched from the fire? In other words, he's saying a man that I saved from punishment? You want to accuse him, and you want him to pay the price for it, but I snatched him from that fire. See, the enemy wants to accuse you, but he has no right. He can only bring the accusation. Verse 3, now Joshua was dressed in filthy clothes as he stood before the angel. 
Now imagine how he must have felt at that moment. Here he was called by God, supposed to be delivering the word of God to his people, and he was living a sinful life. The Bible says he was covered in filthy rags. Imagine how that must have felt for him. You ever gone to an event where you were severely underdressed? Has anybody ever done that before? It's like horrible. Like you feel like you stand out like a sore thumb, you know, and you have to kind of dig deep and find some kind of security. But imagine standing before God, vulnerable, full of shame and embarrassment, and the enemy's validating all the mistakes that you made. And that's where he stood. How shameful and how embarrassed that must have been for him. But God wants to relieve that guilt. God wants to relieve that shame as the devil's pointing out, you're not good enough. You're not worthy. You were addicted to pornography. You were, you were full of lust. You cheated. You have all these secrets. You were, all these things begin to come from the enemy to make you feel worthless. Now, really quick, just so we all feel really good about ourselves, how many has had the enemy accuse you with those kind of voices? Raise your hand. Okay, everybody can feel bread or breathe. Every one of us have heard this voice. But the important thing is that we recognize it and we find the freedom of Christ that we're not going to bow our knee to that lie anymore. I want to remind you before I finish this story as to what happened. The devil is the accuser, but the good news is Jesus is your advocate. He is the one that goes on behalf for you. That word advocate means this. It means it publicly supports you. That means the enemy can come and point out everything that may have been true in the past, but Jesus says, no way, you can't have them. They're mine. No way, they've been bought by my blood. I've forgiven them. They've been redeemed. They have you a relationship with you, God. They have freedom to love you. Jesus is standing between the enemy and you, and he's fighting on your behalf. Amen? He says this in 1 John 2, my dear children, I am writing this to you that you will not sin, so what is the ultimate goal? God's like, yeah, there's some things I want to clean up. There's some things I may be convicting you of, and we'll talk about the difference in a minute. He said, but if anyone does sin, because the Bible says all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, we have an advocate who does what? Pleads my case before the Father. You have Jesus pleading your case, amen? He is Jesus Christ, the one who is truly righteous. Jesus is the son of God, and he wants to defend you. He loves you, and he wants to go on your behalf. So let's finish up in Zechariah 3. What happened there? Verse 4, here stands Joshua in shame and in filthiness before God. And the angel said to those who were standing before him, take off his filthy clothes then he said to Joshua, see, I have taken your sins away, and I have put a fine garment on you. What did Jesus say? The enemy was there accusing him. You're worthless. You're no good. It's unforgivable. And Jesus says, rebuke you, Satan. He said, take off those filthy rags, those ro robes of unrighteousness, and I'm going to put on the robe of righteousness on you. I'm going to robe you with my glory. I'm going to robe you with my forgiveness. I'm going to robe you with my beauty. I'm going to robe you with my restoration. I'm going to robe you with your future. I have robed you with everything that you desire. You are not identified by filthy rags anymore. We have the robe of righteousness in Christ Jesus. And when you are living here on earth and you have Jesus, when God looks at you, he sees his robe. 
He sees his glory. Do I fall short? Yes. Do I need to repent of some things? Yes. I need to follow the Holy Spirit. But God doesn't see those filthy rags. He said, my son came and set you free. As long as you've received Jesus anyway. Amen. We need to repent of our sins and we need to give our life to Jesus. But we're perfecting and we're maturing and we're growing. But as we are, we have to receive the grace of God and know who you are today as you stand when the accuser comes. Amen. Because he'll come knocking on your door, but when you know who you are, it doesn't, it doesn't work. I remember a fiery dart the enemy used over me all the time. And I'm a happy person by nature. I'm a positive person by nature. But in my soul, he would always hit me with sadness. And I would always have this like down on the inside of me, even though I was super happy on the outside. And I remember going, I'm, I'm not going to tolerate this anymore. I'm like, one day of sadness is too much. I just decided one day is too much. God, I'm taking my victory. And then I got to the place where, you know what? One minute is too much. Like, I'm over it. Devil, you're not going to steal my joy. You're not going to steal my peace. I'm not going to allow you to accuse me in my soul to make me feel less than who I am. I remember this morning I was uh, in first service. We were greeting each other, and this young man said, how are you, Pastor Barb? And I said, oh, I'm great. He's like, well, great. Can't you be better than that? And I, I said, well, I don't know. How big is God? That's how great I can be. <laughs> you know, it's a choice. It's a choice that, yeah, the enemy hits your soul, but who cares? I'm choosing joy today. I'm not going to let him steal my joy. I'm not going to let him accuse me of my past when you know who you are in Christ Jesus. Amen we got to take off the filthy garments that accuse us. Put on the garments that you deserve in Christ Jesus. Listen, it's not, it's not, and Pastor Paul said this, and it was in my notes, but it's not about how good you are, but how good he is. We'll never be perfect. We're all going to fall short. Let me share something with you that I think will... I hope it gives you freedom like it did me. When I first came to Jesus, I love God so much. Like when I surrendered my life, it was, I was all in no matter what. And I was just like, I read my Bible every day, you know, studied. I was just so all in with Jesus. And then, you know, there'd be a day or two where I wouldn't get in the word of God. It would get busy. And I would get so condemned. I'd be like, oh, my God, I know I should get in my word. And i get so condemned and overwhelmed. And the Lord, he said this to me one day in prayer. He said, a day is a thousand years unto the Lord, and a thousand years is as a day. And I realized that we live in this 24-7, this clock, but God lives in Kronos time, Kairos time. We live in Kronos time. And so the Lord showed me a vision of my path, and I was this little person on this big path. And when the Lord, he said, when I look at you, I see the journey. I don't see the 24-7. So we get all condemned in this 24-7. We get all wrapped up of this, this time that we live in when God says, no, it's the path. It's the journey. It's the duration. So let's quit letting the enemy accuse us and stop us where we're at, amen, and receive the freedom to say, hey, God, I'm going to serve you, and I'm going to let these things go in my life. I'm going to take off these robes of ugliness and put on the robes of righteousness, amen. Thank you, Jesus. So let's finish this story in verse 5. It says this. Then I said, this is God, the angel, put a clean turban on his head. And you know what's so interesting about this part is when you come into Jesus and you really love God and you're redeemed and set free, there's one thing we have to do according to the word of God, and that is renew our mind. So he stripped him of that unrighteousness. He put the new glory coat on him. But guess what? He had to give him a new mind. So you're going to have to, you are clean. You are bought by the blood of the lamb. Now you have to renew your mind to who God says that you are. 
And that comes through the word of God, amen. It comes through knowing who you are in Christ Jesus. So in verse um, 5, then I said, put a clean turban on his head. So they put a clean turban on his head and clothed him while the angel of the Lord stood by. The angel of the Lord gave this charge to Joshua. He's speaking to Joshua now. He said, this is what the Lord Almighty says. If you will walk in obedience to me and keep my requirements... Then you will govern my house, and you will have charge of my courts, and I will give you place among these standing here. What did God say? Now remember, Joshua is the high priest. He served in a high priest position. He stood before the king, God, guilty. God forgave him, and you know what he said? Now go back and keep serving me. Go back to the temple. Go back and still worship me. Go back and still share the word of God. God is saying, once you've been redeemed, keep serving him. Keep serving in the house of God. Keep worshiping God. There's not a time frame. You don't have to crawl through broken glass anymore. There's no punishment period. There's nothing you've got to do to get restored. Once you've been forgiven by God, he's saying, go back and serve me how you used to serve me. It's good, isn't it? You don't have to do anything to get your place back with God. All you have to do is receive the forgiveness of God. And God says, return to the temple and keep serving the Lord. Don't live under the accusations anymore, but keep serving. When you've fallen, get back up and keep serving. When you've made mistake, get back up and keep serving if your heart is right with God. The example and the word that the Lord gave me was the prodigal son. And many of us know this story in here. But the prodigal son, that word prodigal, the name prodigal, I actually looked it up this morning, means wasteful. Has anybody ever feel like your life was wasted? Like there was a season that was wasted, that the enemy just had control and it was wasted. And, and that's the story of this prodigal son. And he woke up one day and he said, Dad, I want what's mine. Give me my money. I want to go out and get some honey. <laughs> I just made that up. I'm not a rapper, so that's all it gets, y'all. <laughs> but he said, give me what's mine. I want to go have fun. I want my pleasure. I don't want no restrictions. Don't tell me what to do. Give me what's mine, and I want to go fulfill the desires of my heart. And so the good father said, okay, I'm going to give that to you. And he gave him all his inheritance. And that son went out, and he had all kinds of friends. He was having tons of fun. But how many know the Bible says sin is only fun for a season? And the money dried up. The friends dried up. And where did this prodigal son find himself? In a pig's pen. Looking at the food going, that looks really good because I'm hungry. <laughs> you have to get pretty low in that place, right, to think pig food looks pretty good. And he said to himself, you know what? My father's servants eat better than this. So I'm going to muster up the courage of what it takes and go back to my father's house and see if he'll at least take me in as a slave, as a worker. Now think about it. Here this boy is. He comes from wealth. He's used to everything looking good, smelling good, and he literally is in a pig's pen. And he's got to muster up the courage to get back to the father, stinking, dirty, beaten up by the world. And he doesn't know if the father's really going to accept him back. He doesn't know if the father's going to receive him. His father could be angry and say, you've, you've paid your dues, go pay your price. You've made your choices, sleep in the pig pen that you were enjoying, right? He didn't know, but he went by faith and said, I'm going to go back to my father's house. But while he's in the pig pen, while he made his choices, what he didn't understand is his father longed for his son. And every day his father would stand at the edge of the road looking like this going, when is my son coming home? 
Every day he went out, when's he going to come back? He waited with expectancy. Why? Because even though his son went away, it was still his son. He never stopped being his son. You never stop being a son of God. You never stop being a daughter of God. You are his kid. And there's nothing you could do to stop that relationship with the father. And the father's just going, come on home. Come on back. I miss you. I'm waiting for you. But there's this courage that we have to go. I have to believe my father's going to accept me in every filth that I'm in. In the way that I see myself, I view myself and my experiences, I'm going to go to the father with hopes that he's going to love me. But you don't have to worry about that. God is standing with his arms open and saying, I love you. You're my kid. I want you to come back home. And as soon as that son came off in a distance, he didn't know his father was standing there, but his father saw us son coming over that hill and the Bible says that father took off running towards his son. Took off. God is chasing you. We don't have to chase God. God is chasing us. He loves us and the moments that he knows we want him, he's running after you and he grabbed his dirty son. He grabbed his stinky son with his beautiful robe and smelling good and, and all the wealth that he had and he grabbed his son anyway and he said, I love you. Welcome home. And not only did he welcome his son, but he took, listen, he took his rich robe off of his son and covered up the filth of his son and put his robe on his son. That's what God does for you when you come to him. You come to him dirty, but he takes his robe. He says, I don't care. I'm going to cover you up. Now let's go have a party. Let's get the goats cut. Let's have a party. Get the celebration. Why? Because I'm glad my son has finally returned home. And that is the heart of the father. Amen. And something that I saw this morning, even as I was restudying my notes, is that both of the sons, if you study the scripture, the father gave both the boys their inheritance at the same time. So the, the I forget, was the, I think the youngest went out and spent, I believe. The oldest stayed home. He was a good boy. He did everything right, right? He labored. He was faithful to his dad, even though he had all the money and the choices still run off to the world. But guess who the celebration was for? The prodigal son that came home. And even the son that stayed says, yo, dad, you never gave me a goat. So the Bible says, you never gave me a goat when I was good. Right? Why? Because that son, the father said, but son, you've been faithful to me. But can we celebrate the brother, the son that has come home? Can we celebrate them? What does the church do? We beat people up. We make people feel worthless. You've got to earn your way back. Pay the price. It's not Bible. Now, is there seasons where we have to, you know, be healed? Yeah. But that's not earning our right to feel who God's called us to be, amen? We are who we are because God says it. It's time to celebrate because God loves you. I want you to distinguish the difference between these two things. Number one, the accusations of God and the convictions of God. The accusations of God does this. It drives you away from God. Accusations of the enemy. When the enemy accuses you, it drives you away from God, doesn't it? It drives you in shame. Conviction does this. It leads you back to God. Conviction says, God, I'm so sorry. I want to do better, and I'm going to do better. Give me your grace. Give me your mercy. God, forgive me. That's conviction. Accusation says, gives you guilt, makes you feel ashamed, makes you feel dirty and distanced from God. How many can, you can recognize the difference? Conviction leads you to repentance and gives you hope. That's the goodness of God, amen. Satan accuses you. He wants you to feel guilty. He wants you to feel unlovable unworthy. He wants you to experience regret and remorse. Every one of us has regret and remorse in our, in our life. 
Spirit will do what? It'll convict us. It draws us to the presence of God. It causes me to confess of my sins. And it causes me to say there is therefore now no condemnation because I'm in Christ Jesus. You can't condemn me, devil. You can't accuse me anymore because I'm in Jesus and I'm his kid. The devil knows your name but calls you by your sin. Isn't that the truth? The devil knows your name but he'll call you by the things you hate about yourself. He'll cause you to identify by those things all the time. God knows your sin, but what does he do? He calls you by your name. Isn't that the goodness of God? He knows what you've done. He, know, he knows where you've been. He doesn't care. He says, come anyway. Come unto me, right, where there's forgiveness and there's joy and there's hope. In 2 Corinthians 10, it says this, Therefore, we walk, therefore, though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty in God to the pulling down of strongholds. Casting down every what? Argument and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. And bring every thought captivity to the obedience of Christ Jesus. It is time for us to put on the armor of God, right? Take the word of God in every situation and say, no way, I'm casting down the accused voice of the enemy. The enemy may come and say, you're a failure, you should be ashamed. And you should say, I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I am the head and not the tail. I am above and not beneath. I'm a new creation. Whatever accusation comes against you, I know there's a hundred scriptures to reroute that voice of the enemy. You need to get your little cards out and whatever voice or whatever darts he's throwing at you, you need to take the word of God, take the word of God and now it becomes a shield and where he's hitting you, it's like bouncing off of you. It's just bouncing off and it's not producing life anymore. Enemy may say, God's punishing me because of the mistakes you made. And you need to say, my God is a good God. And all good things come down from the Father of light. And what the enemy meant for evil, God's going to turn it around for good. Amen. I'm going to count it all joy. Whatever I'm going through, I'm going to count it all joy. Why? Because everything will work out. God's going to give me perseverance. God's going to give me endurance through this trial because that's the God that I serve. After what you did, God won't come through for you. After what you've done, Jesus said, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. He said, I'll fill your mouth with laughter and your lips with shouts of praise. There is the spirit of the living God inside of you that is waiting to come out against the lies of the enemy. Amen. My last one, God isn't there for you. He's disappointed in you. He doesn't love you. And the Bible says, no, in all these things, we are more than conquerors to Jesus who loved me. Listen to this, for I'm convinced. You have to get convinced in your heart what the word says. Paul said here, I'm convinced. I don't care what comes against me. You can't change my mind. I'm convinced that neither death nor life, nor angels nor demons, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in this creation can separate me from the love of God. Nothing can separate you from the love of God. Nothing, no high, no low, no mistakes, no past. Nothing can separate you. Only the accuser can make you feel like you're not accepted by God. But God's love, he says, I never leave you. I never forsake you. He said, why would I abandon you in your hardest time of life? 
Why would I abandon you when you feel the worst? I'm with you when you're at your lowest because that's where I'm there to pick you up. That's where I'm there to encourage you. That's where I'm there to restore you. Amen. God is fighting for me and for victory. I am not who the devil says that I am. Amen. And I'll close with this verse again, Isaiah 54, 7. I just want to speak this over your heart. No weapon turned against you will succeed. Listen, every fiery dart cannot cannot have success over your heart if you don't let it. Amen. You will silence every voice raised up to accuse you. This morning, go ahead and stand to your feet. This morning, I'm going to break that spirit of accusation over you. We're going to pray, and we're going to break that voice and that sound of the enemy so that you can hear clearly what the spirit of the Lord has to say. What's most important right now is that you recognize this voice of the enemy as you leave here today. It's one thing to preach this message. It's another thing that you go out and do what I'm saying. Amen. To create change. The enemy wants to keep you down here. God wants to bring you way up here. In every area of your life. In relationships. Even with him. Do you know when the enemy makes you feel down here, this is how low your relationship with God is? Because you don't feel worthy. And God's like, know who you are. Begin to see the goodness that's on the inside of you. Begin to see that it's me on the inside of you and not how you see yourself. And all of a sudden, everything in your life will begin to rise. Listen, everything. Your marriage will get better. Your family will get better. You're a favor in your life. You'll attract the favor of God because you'll feel worthy of all these things. It all settles on renouncing the accusing voice of the enemy. Amen. So, Father God, this morning, I put the blood of Jesus over every one of us here. Father God, I put a hedge of protection around them. And as a group, united together, we stand and we tell the accusing voice of the enemy to go in Jesus' name. Every lies, every false accusation, every condemnation and ugliness and unworthiness and shame, we drive it out of their hearts right now in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, God, for anyone that's around us that has been struggling, we see the power of God touching them. Father, from the top of their head to their feet, we shatter that mold and that image and that lie of the enemy, the accuser, and we expose him right now in the name of Jesus. And we declare freedom in their hearts and in their minds in Jesus' name. Freedom in their soul, Father God, to receive the joy of the Lord that is their strength, to receive hope back again and peace back again, Father God, and your presence. I just hear the Lord say that accusation has kept you from the presence of God. And God says, my presence is going to wash over you even this very moment. Because I am fighting on behalf for you. Some of you have been in like that courtroom setting and the enemy has been pointing a finger at you to bring judgment from God. But God is silencing that accuser right now in the name of Jesus. And we thank you, God, that they are going to feel the robe of righteousness being placed on them. They're going to feel the value of God being remounted on their hearts, Father God, as they walk out of this room today. No more guilt. No more shame. We don't care of people's opinions anymore, Father God, but we receive the engrafted image of Jesus Christ transforming us from the inside out, Father God. And the most important thing we can do here today in church as we close is to make sure everybody knows Jesus as their Lord and Savior.
And if you haven't received Jesus yet, you're not in that covenant yet. You haven't had that exchange of the robes. But it's just a matter of making the confession and saying, I need Jesus. And the biggest thing about receiving Jesus is you feel like you got to have it all figured out. You feel like you got to have all the understanding. And Jesus says it's by faith. It's a free gift of salvation. You receive me, and I'll bring understanding to everything else. It's not the opposite way around. So today I'm going to ask every one of us to say this prayer together. That we're going to confess Jesus. We're going to invite him into our life. For those of you who may say it for the first time or coming back to the Lord right now. So I want everybody to repeat after me. Say, dear Jesus, I'm asking you, forgive me of all of my sin. Come into my heart. Renew me. Restore me. Heal me. And today I renounce the accusations of the enemy. And I put the blood of Jesus over all of it, I receive the grace, the mercy, and the forgiveness of God in the precious name of Jesus. With all eyes still bowed, if you said that prayer this morning and you meant it with all of your heart, maybe you're coming back to God or you said it for the first time, just real quick, shoot your hand up all over this room this morning and put it down. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you. There's hands all over this room. Keep them up. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. There's just hands everywhere. Let's give the Lord a praise this morning. Amen. Amen. I believe in all of you, and I know God has great plans. Amen. Let's be who God's called us to be. I love you all so much. Have a great week, and we'll see you Wednesday at 7 o'clock, midweek service. Otherwise, have a great week. I forgot.